as we were singing together, um, there was a, a quote that was brought to mind. I'm just going to read it for us. It's from Thomas Merton. He says, Time was given to us not so that we could keep a faith that we once had, but so that we could acquire a faith that we need now. I just think as we gather week in and week out, we come with the hope, the expectation, the anticipation that there's something of the character of God that we need to be reminded of right here, right now. And we sing it out, reminding ourselves that surely God's goodness will always be with us. We have the hope that God has something for each of us here this morning. I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 to 19 in the NIV. At Mount Sinai. In the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from the Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord talked to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. 
The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Good morning. I'm Doug Veenstra, and、um, it is my honor and privilege to speak to you today. About the presence of God and Israel and Moses. Although I feel like Dave and Jen and the worship team have already preached the whole sermon for me, so、um, if it sounds like repetition, it's the key to learning. Just reading the scripture that Daniel, thank you, Daniel,、uh, just read, I'm exhausted.、Uh, I. I I did some research and I looked at pictures of the actual mountain, and it wasn't a really terribly high mountain, but in this passage and the ones that fall, Moses went up and down, up four times to talk to God, come back, talk to the people, talk to God, come back. Moses must have been like in great shape for an eighty-year-old. Last week,、uh, Nate talked about. How a significant event in Israel's history became a perpetual celebration for Israel, and they're still celebrating Passover to this day. And that foreshadowed the table that Jesus instituted, that we're going to be celebrating、uh, later this morning. It was such a good sermon. I'm going to do exactly the same thing.、Um, different event, different celebration, but it's it's interesting to me how as I read through. Um, the Old Testament and these first things that happen, how they arc all the way to the New Testament and to our lives、uh, even now. So, three months on the first day, on that very day, and that's the first thing I noticed when I was reading it, because at the Passover, it talked about what day of the month it was. It said on that very day. And then, as they were leaving, it told you what day it was, and it said on that very day. And so, there's kind of a trigger here for me that it's like every time it says that the authors wanted to make sure that you recognize that this was an important day. They use that phrase on that very day. So it's not just a day; it's this day. So Moses went up to see God on the mountain. God told Moses what to say, and he came back to the people. And what he said was, for a, a, a nation of slaves, present previously、uh, three months ago,、uh, earth-shattering kind of calling for the nation. He said, "You're going to be my treasured possession." Now, God could have stopped there. If this God in thunder and lightning and the mountain shaking said to us, amongst all the peoples, amongst all the churches in Hamilton, you are going to be my treasured possession. That would be enough. But he kept going. He said, "Although the whole earth is mine, for me you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation." Like to unpack the idea of what a 
of, a, of the priesthood in, well, in all cultures of the world. Uh, a priest is an expert in religious matters. Um, in the same way, you go to a lawyer, if you need to grapple with things of a legal matter or a real estate agent, if you have to grapple with property issues, a priest was there to help you grapple with the idea of who God was and represent the people to God and God to the people. And they were to be an entire kingdom of priests. Not only to each other, but to the whole world. It started out with, the whole earth is mine. So God is putting claim on all the peoples of the world and saying, you are a special people and your job before me is to represent me to the whole world. To fulfill God's purpose for them, um, they had to purify themselves, they had to make themselves holy, and they had to know God's voice, and they had to appreciate his, his holiness. So there's a whole arc in the Old Testament of God's communication with his people, and it starts right in Genesis where uh, it says that God came into the garden, he walked with you know, Adam and Eve, and because of sin, that stopped. And then we see God speaking to Noah and to Job and to Abraham and to Jacob, and then after the death of Joseph, there's like this 400 years of silence as the people are laboring under the pharaohs of Egypt. Um, God isn't speaking to them. When you, when you open the first couple of chapters of Exodus, God isn't mentioned. It just tells the story of Israel and Pharaoh and Moses. Um, and then God speaks to Moses in a burning bush. Um, and then we see Moses as the um, prototypical prophet for Israel. But here, God wants to speak to the whole nation, not just to God's prophet, to the whole nation. He wants to speak to all of his people. The... Um, the next chapter is where we get the Ten Commandments. Um, this is what God spoke from the mountain. He spoke the Ten Commandments, and immediately after the Ten Commandments are given, Israel protests to Moses and says, Moses, we don't, this is too much. We don't want to hear from God. You speak to us. Let God speak to you. We're not ready for quite this much holiness and, and awesome power. And I'm always surprised that Moses said, you made a good choice. Because I think God's intent, if we, if we look at the whole of Scripture, God's intent has always been that he wants to talk to us, to his people, to all of us, not just a prophet, not just a preacher, not just a worship leader, to all of us. So at this point in, in Israel's history, I think there's a step back. And 
God says, okay, I'm going to let you learn my holiness from 613, according to tradition, laws. Laws for Sabbath, laws for animals, laws for slaves, laws for worship, laws for everything. And by giving these laws, God demonstrates that his holiness is a very, very high standard, and that if you're going to represent me to the world, this is the holiness that I'm asking for. And since you don't want to hear from me for yourself, I'm going to write it all down for you, and we can just look for all the answers in the book. And how many know that looking for answers in the book doesn't always fulfill our our problems? Because not every answer is addressed by the book. He gave them a ceremonial system by which they could have access to his presence, albeit quite restricted access. The tabernacle was built, and the presence of God was accessible to one guy in a dark room in a large tent on top of a box once a year. And according to tradition, the priests that had to go into that holy of holies once a year were so terrified that God's holiness would strike them down that they would have a rope attached to their foot so that if they did die in there, someone could pull them out because no one else would dare go in. It's a frightening proposition about entering into the presence of God. So for the rest of the Old Testament, we have prophets speaking to the people and the people responding yay or nay to what the prophets said to them until we get to the prophet of Malachi. And then, according to historians that I've read, there is another 400 years where God doesn't speak to anyone. Um, and then Jesus comes. So there's these, these, these arcs that happen in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The next time we see... Um, God showing up drastically is at the dedication of the tabernacle. And then in Second Chronicles, there is the dedication of the Temple of Solomon. Um, took years to build. Who knows how much. The descriptions of it are, are lavish, so much gold. They said, you know, this. they didn't even bother picking up silver because it was so common. It was like, you know, if you drop a penny... You don't pick it up. Silver was so common that uh, they didn't use any of it in the temple. And then there was this, there, here's this passage, and uh, I don't have a slide for it, but I, um, if you want to take a note, it's 2 Chronicles 11. Look. No. Oh, no. I didn't write the chapter down. But it's in Second Chronicles, and it's when the priests came forth from the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, 
and their sons and kinsmen, clothed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, standing east of the altar, and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets in unison. When the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Um, every worship leader wants that to happen on Sunday mornings. Uh, I would, that's, that's what I would love to happen, that you know, God would show up in such a way that it would be undeniable, that it would be like overpowering. But that's not, that's what I think of when I think of the presence of God. But that's not what uh, the presence of God has become for us. Jeremiah 31 says, The days are coming, says the Lord, verse 31, when I will make a new covenant. So this is looking back to this day, uh, the covenant at Sinai. It says, a, a day is coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, and it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their hearts, in their minds, and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. Something very different about this promise of a new covenant. There are no conditions. The first covenant that Moses brought said, if you will obey my covenant and do everything that I command you, and they hadn't even heard the covenant yet when they agreed to it. It says, then you will be unto me a chosen people. This passage has no conditions. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I intend for my people. From the beginning of creation, um, God has desired to be in fellowship with his creation. We all know the story. Uh, that fellowship was broken. Um, things were bleak. The, the, the stories in the Old Testament are full of violence and bloodshed and stuff that we can't even imagine. But from the temple of um, the tabernacle of Moses to the temple of Solomon to this temple, which Paul says is each one of us and us collectively, God has been and is present with his people whether we recognize this as the truth or not. Um, we are a community of all sorts. Um, there are people among us who we would say are contemplative, who love to spend 
hours or days silent, waiting on God. And then there are probably people like me who shudder at the thought of trying to spend one sleepless hour in quiet. But God is present for all of us in different ways. As much as I admire those uh, contemplative practices, I'm going to say it's my personality, but it's just it's really, really hard for me. But I know that um, God is present with me, as he is with you, as he is with, um, you know, those people who can take five-day silent retreats in the woods. When Jesus uh, ascended to his Father, and this has always been Matt's favorite, I don't know if it's his favorite verse, but he sure quotes it a lot, uh, the end of Matthew 28, um, he always sees the evangelical go part of it, and I always see the end of it where Jesus says, I will be with you always. He's ready to leave. He says, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And if Jesus promised that, we can expect that that's true, that he is with us. Um, Israel arrived at Mount Sinai three months after leaving Egypt on that very day. And up to this day, that day... That time has been celebrated uh, by Israel as the, fest- the festival of weeks or the festival of harvest. In the New Testament, this festival is called Pentecost. The day that not only St. Clair Community Church started uh, worshiping as, a, as an, uh, an entity, but the time when the Holy Spirit descended on 120 people who were followers of Christ in that first century upper room, and God sent his Holy Spirit to all of us. So, as Jen said, as Dave said, as the songs said, God is present with us. Um, Lots of times I don't feel it. Lots of times I don't know if I believe it. But sometimes, it's so obvious to me, um, and, I, and it's not in my contemplative hours, it's in, my, in the middle of work where something happens that I can't explain, um, and it works for good. And I'm like, God, thank you, you're right here with me in my, in my work, uh, when I sleep, um, when I'm here in church. And it's a struggle, but I have to, we have to get our minds to think about it. Because it's a truth. You don't think about the, the air you breathe until you can't have it. Um, or it's moving at such a rate that it's throwing everything around. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us. And, and the Holy Spirit is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the third fully, um, full person of the Trinity. It's not the force or something that we, you know, 
can't understand. It's, it's God. He's God. I'm still learning this. Um, hopefully someday I'll uh, get to take an hour off and sit in quiet contemplation and uh, figure out stuff that other people have already learned. But God is with you. And that, that's, that's all I want to tell you. God is with you. And you need to figure out how to recognize that in your life. Um, and when you do... Be thankful. There's a word that talks about um, God with man. It's called Maranatha. And I don't know where that word comes from. I don't know if it's Latin or Greek. But it's uh, a word that I'm reminded of every time I, I open the scripture. Every time I, I think about the plan of God, it's, it's Maranatha. It's God with us. Um, and it's my prayer that each one of you will recognize that, um, will grow in that, and um, believe it. <laughs>